of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The other night I was moving around some books on a bookshelf and came across my old childhood Bible. It's one of those oversized picture books with all the great stories and while I can look at it now and uh, see that the art isn't quite up to standards uh, in, in the 21st century and while some of the stories leave out a lot of details, it nonetheless is filled with the stories and the characters of Scripture who have become my lifelong companions. They continue to guide me and, and guard me. As wonderful as some of those pictures are of Daniel in the lion's den and Jesus with his disciples, my favorite part of that children's Bible is the dedicatory page just on the inside cover. Um, I'd forgotten that it said this, and I opened it up, and there it says, Christmas 1970, to John Bedingfield from Santa Claus. Now, think about that for a minute. Santa Claus giving a Bible. Right there kind of sums up one of the great dilemmas in Christian faith. What is real and what is make-believe? What is genuine spirituality? What is superstition? I know, I'm well aware that there are many outside this room would say that all of faith is make-believe. I would argue differently, obviously. Faith is something different from superstition. And as Christians, it's our duty to work at sorting out the difference, at trying to figure out what is real and what is not real. In today's Gospel, Jesus describes some of the realities of faithful living. I'll never forget a few years ago, uh, it was the Saturday before we were to read this passage on Sunday, and we had had a big wedding, and it was one of those, in my experience, rare weddings where everybody was, was a churchgoer. Both families went to church, uh, the bride and groom went to church, and so it didn't really shock me that Sunday morning after the Saturday wedding, the bride and groom were sitting in the front pew before they went off to their honeymoon, and a bunch of their family were there as well. And then we read today's gospel, brother against brother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. I've come to bring conflict, not peace. I watched them at first sort of look at each other wondering, what does this mean? And then they started to laugh. I don't think Jesus is encouraging this, (laughs) but Jesus is basically telling it like it is. Um, This is what happens when people of strong faith, of real faith, um, butt heads. Sometimes it leads to conflict. We shouldn't seek it out, but that's just what happens. But the other side of it, the larger side of it, is that in a family that is full of love, in a church that is a loving family, we have a means to deal with that conflict. We say we're sorry, we offer forgiveness, we, we fall into the grace of God yet again and again and again, and we move on. There's an old joke that's probably said about all sorts of churches. What do you have when you've got ten people with twenty different opinions? An Episcopal church. <laughs> It can feel like that sometimes. 
especially the less authoritative and the more democratic a congregation. We may disagree about the spending of money. We might disagree about the direction of ministries. We might argue about how God should be worshipped or even who should be ordained or consecrated. We can disagree about government. We can disagree about when and whether to go to war. We can disagree about advances of science and technology, all sorts of things. But if we're people of faith, this is a part of living in a real world, a world in which we disagree, a world in which life is not always just about the peace of Christ, but also about the divisions and the disagreements that inevitably arise along the way if our life is in Christ. It is our life, after all. The other scriptures today point to a kind of of strong faith, a tough faith, A faith that does not settle for superstition or make-believe. In a reading from Jeremiah, there's a call to honesty. And Jeremiah is especially talking to the prophets, to, to any of those in that faithful community who feel like they know the way forward. God has put it on their hearts to know exactly what to do and how to do it. And so Jeremiah cautions them, be careful, be careful about living in a dream, be careful about living in a vision, because sometimes, even though the dream can inspire, sometimes the dream can blind you to the needs of the present day. Though Jeremiah's words are thousands of years old, that same struggle exists in every faith community today especially those of us who who try to be rooted in, in history of some kind. The question is always before us, how do we call upon the best of our tradition, but also be alive to a world that moves and thinks in very different ways and finds much of what we do irrelevant? How do we be people of faith in a culture that has little use for faith? Some faith traditions respond by buckling down, by sticking to the letter of the law and making it all about following the fundamentals. Well, I bless them on their way, but that's not the way I feel called to be. Other faiths do everything they can to attract people of contemporary mentality. They strip out the pews and put in chairs and put in a big screen TV. And then there's the church in my hometown, Charlotte, North Carolina, where on Baptism Sunday a few weeks ago, the room was largely dark. The minister came out and said, Okay, everyone, you know it's Baptism Sunday. Give me a countdown. And so people began to count down. And just after one, the lights came up and there was an enormous water slide. And one after the other, people shot down the water slide. And then an elder of the congregation was meeting them in the pool and blessed them in the name of the Holy Trinity. Boom, baptism was had. (laughs) You might have guessed I'm not going there either. And so how do we live between these extremes? What does it look like to be a church that's rooted in history, but also alive to the world around us? The Church of the Holy Trinity was built with a dream and a vision, several people's dreams and several people's visions. I love that St. Christopher's House, our mission house, was the first building And it was built to be a settlement church, a church alive and sensitive to the needs especially of the new immigrants and the working poor in this neighborhood. 
That was 119 years ago. And since then, there must have been times when it must have seemed like that dream was being realized, and other times when people were painfully aware of not meeting that dream. Part of our living with a dream, but living in reality, involves our being honest that we are different from those people who came together in 1897 and then built this church in 1899. We're different from the congregation of the 1950s and the 1970s and even the 1990s. But we still have a mission and we're still guided by the vision of those who've gone before us. Jeremiah hears God say, let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. I think that tells us that our calling is that simple, but also that demanding. Speak God's word. Speak it with words, but speak it with actions. Speak it with love. Speak it with our bodies, with our souls. Speak God's work of grace and welcome and forgiveness and healing to one another, to strangers, and even pause long enough to hear it spoken to yourself. The epistle reading today, the letter to the Hebrews, was written to a group of Christians who were getting tired. They were tired of being different, tired of trying to be faithful, tired of struggling and trying to meet the demands of the Christian life. They seemed to be on the edge of turning back to some former faith or religion, And so they're urged to be disciplined, to remember their disciplines, to start doing the right thing, and then keep doing it over and over and over again until it sticks. These struggling Christians are urged to rise to the occasion, to turn trials into opportunities, and to develop a perspective based on discipline. Not just at Lent do we talk about Christian spiritual disciplines, but we talk about them and do them all year round. We explore together what it means to fast, whether of food or of other things, what it means to give alms, to give sacrificially, what it means to be engaged in daily prayer of some kind, what it means to participate in the Holy Sacraments. We keep the disciplines of silence, the disciplines of joyfulness. All of those, they're to be shared and grown and enjoyed. Many of us know that a disciplined life keeps us going when things get rough. They give us things to do when we don't know what to do or say. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. Get your disciplines in place, and when the storms come, you're rooted. You know what to do. You know how to pray. You know how to sustain and nurture and be loving to one another. That wonderful letter to the Hebrews includes those gorgeous words that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Our witnesses here include the living and the dead, those who've gone before us and those who've loved us and we've loved who are no longer in this place. Our cloud of witnesses is not only in the windows around us and not only in the columbarium over there, but in our hearts, in our memories, in our stories, and increasingly in other people who live in other places as, as former members carry our story outward, as people visit, as, as people become friends to this church who may not even have faith, much less a Christian faith. Our cloud of witnesses includes a lot of people and keeps growing. 
It's this cloud of witnesses that helps to keep us honest. It helps us move into new mission opportunities and new relationships. And so in the future, we will look very different from the church of 1899 or 1999. But with faith and energy, we'll continue to expand and to welcome and to be faithful. It is a great cloud, the writer to the Hebrews assures us. It's a great cloud that gives us that kind of faith that he writes, we can run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, but is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our gospel today speaks a hard truth that sometimes in following Christ we find ourselves in conflict. There will continue to be those times, those times when we experience the body of Christ as broken or divided. And we might argue and seem to work against one another for a time. But that great cloud of witnesses still bears us up and holds us together. It inspires us and strengthens us and reminds us of our calling. We don't live in a world where Santa Claus gives personalized Bibles to every child. We don't live in a world of Santa Claus. We may not yet be the people that God dreams us to be, individually or as a church, but we're on our way. And by continuing to be honest, continuing to be disciplined, continuing to be surrounded and sustained by a great cloud of witnesses, we will continue to grow in faith. We will continue to grow in love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.